Welcome to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy back with you here tonight with Marty Party and the Doc. Fellas, how are you guys doing? Dude, I'm doing very, very good. I've been listening to Metallica all day just to get ready for our guest here. <laughs> That's the way to do it, for sure. Doc, what about yourself? Just beating the buzzer, hopping in here right before we went live. Yeah, I mean, I told you 5.30. I was 5.31, and uh, I won't hold this up anymore. That's good. That's good. If you guys have not gotten the theme of the show, we are wearing cankle hats tonight, as well as our guest. And speaking of our guest, we got introduced this man the proper way. We welcome in a man who I would call the Olive Garden breadstick of guests. He's the host of Fantasy Baseball Today, Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, Fantasy Football Today DFS, and all his rankings and written work can be found over on CBSSports.com. Ladies and gentlemen, when you need a fantasy baseball case solved, you better call Frank. Oh my goodness gracious, it is Frank Stample. What's up, man? Yo, I love coming on here. You guys always have the fantastic intros, so I do appreciate that. Mendy, one of my favorite people in the industry. I'm happy to be here. Again, fantastic introduction. For those who don't understand the Olive Garden breadstick thing, we've mentioned this on Fantasy Baseball today. If you listen, you might not have heard, but apparently when you go to Olive Garden, however many guests you have, they give you one more breadstick than the number of guests that you have so that they don't have to refill some kind of like psychological. No one wants to grab the last breadstick and so they don't have to refill the breadsticks. So I don't know how that conversation came up, but in case you're wondering, that's why I'm a breadstick. But how do you know this, though? Do you know someone that worked for Olive Garden? So I don't, but my co-host Chris Towers used to know someone who worked at Olive Garden, and he who must not be named, I, I genuinely don't know the person, but yes, he <laughs> has been told that this is their legit reasoning for giving an extra bread, uh, breadstick. And we use it in an endearing term because usually on their podcast, when they talk about it, it's the obvious like great player who performed last night, so it's like the easy one. So the great person on the podcast today, of course, being Frank Stample. And uh, again, we talked about it too. All three of us got the nice hat game going, Doc. I don't know where uh, where your hat is. You should find something real quick here. Do you want me to actually put on a hat? You, you can want to put the slides up, yeah. Okay. But uh, Frank, real quick before we dive in here, you're doing, we talked about it before the show. You just got married, just had your honeymoon. You're doing fantasy baseball 24-7, I feel like 365. You do fantasy football content as well. Where do you find the time to balance everything that you're doing right now? Oh, man, that's a great question. I just got back from uh, feeding my parents cat because they're out in New Orleans. So it's one thing after another. It feels like it never ends. And I don't even have kids. So God bless those who have kids because it's just I can't even imagine. So, uh, again, God bless those who do it. It's it's tough, man. I mean, it's like a lot of days, like the weekdays kind of like wake up and, and start looking into things for the nighttime and obviously watching the games and, and building the rundown. And of course, we recorded very late at night, but I'm more of a night owl myself, so it, it works out perfectly fine for me. Um, yeah, it's a busy time, but, you know, this, this is a great time of year. It's, you know, fantasy baseball is kind of winding down. You really got to put in that extra effort if you want to go out and, and win and 
capitalize on these rotisserie leagues or head to head points leagues. Playoffs are going to be starting up soon. And then, you know, we're all doing research for fantasy football too. So it's, you really got to try and find that time to balance. I'm kind of, I'm trying to put in a few hours per day looking into football things. And then of course uh, at nighttime getting, getting down with fantasy baseball, but you're right, man. It's, it's tough. I guess I could ask you the same question, Mendy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say like one of the things I really respect about you as a host is you go into the very nitty gritty details when you do your rundown every single night you hear, you can hear the research you're putting in, whether it's like over their last seven days, whether it's, it's certain trends that you're noticing. It's not just, Hey, this player is doing good. Like, what are your thoughts? You, you put the time in, which is very difficult to have to do football. And then all the time it is to host. And we know how hard it is to host shows because Adam Azer, who is the goat of the industry, he eventually burned out doing two different shows hosting at which you're doing right now. So like, to put that much work in and to be as good as you are, it's a testament to you, my friend. So I, I just always admire all the great work that you're doing. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I guess the cat's kind of out of the bag, but uh, I'm not hosting as much on the the football side anymore. The DFS podcast, I've kind of handed off those duties. I'm more so the producer behind the scenes because frankly, trying to host an off season DFS podcast while also doing baseball five times a week was pretty difficult. So uh, I've handed that off to someone else and you'll hear me throughout the football season. I think I'll do like a, a Sunday pregame live stream with like Adam Azer and stuff. So I'll still have some football content out there, but uh, for the sake of accuracy and I guess hosting duties, no longer hosting the DFS podcast, but uh, producing it. And obviously you could still hear me on the baseball side. Yeah. I heard Sia was hosting it recently, but I thought that was just an off season thing. I didn't realize it was going into the regular season. He was going to be doing that too. So yeah, yeah, I guess this is kind of the announcement if anyone's <laughs> we're gonna announce it soon on the actual podcast, kind of leading into the regular season. But I love we're yeah. breaking news on breaking news. That's good. Yes. Those guys are all- we got the new we got the news hats for it. Yeah, let's That's go. Right. We'll start I, the I baby. News hats, Kangol hats, like my wife, first of all, just got married recently. Saying my wife for like the first month after <laughs> is very weird. I feel yes. weird saying it, and that's obviously no slight to her, but it's just kind of weird to say it. Uh she hates this hat. So I'm happy that I can actually wear it for something here on the live stream with you guys. Last thing before we hop in here, Frank, was it weird to wear a ring? Because it took me about a month before I stopped feeling it like on my finger. Yeah, I'm already kind of getting there, right? So I got married July 2nd. Yeah, I guess about a month in and it's it's pretty natural at this point too. Yeah, so um, it was weird at first, but yeah, I think I'm already used to it. Is your current Twitter picture from your wedding? Yes, sir. Oh, nice. It's It's very sharp. Thanks, <laughs> I didn't know if I could actually pull off the white jacket, but I think it turned out. You right. did a good job. All right. We're here to talk some fantasy baseball. So as we always do, we're going to get started with the rundown. All right. Some players that wowed us caught our eye over the last week here, kicking things off with Letmus Diaz over his last seven games, a 429, 455, 905 slash three homers, five RBIs, three runs, a walk and a strikeout. Some things I've noted about him, his K rates dropped three straight years. Barrel rate is the best of his career right now. Is he less aggressive though? Cause his swing rate swing percentage is down significantly. Frank is a Letmus Diaz, somebody in 12 team leagues that you would find yourself potentially adding, or do you think this is just kind of a hot stretch right now? I think a Letmus Diaz has turned into a legitimate good a little legitimately good baseball player and a good hitter at that. I think for sure in anything deeper than 12 teams, I think he's kind of on the fringe for 12 team leagues. It depends how desperate you are, but I love the versatility that he brings. You know, if you play on CBS, he has eligibility at every position, not 
name catcher. So you could play him all around the infield. You could play him in the outfield as well. He's obviously part of a great lineup, one of the best in baseball in the Houston Astros. And he's hitting for batting average recently, a little bit of pop. I worry a little bit now with Trey Mancini coming in, like maybe he loses even more playing time. So he's kind of like right on that fringe of 12-team league. But I think anything deeper than that, for sure, I, I would look into Oled Macias. He has slowed down a little bit more recently. He only has one hit in his last four games. But somebody, like you said, Frank, the multi-position eligibility is in a great lineup. Doc, what the, what the heck are you wearing? <laughs> Just came back and saw that. Uh, he's somebody that's interesting. I think like the reasons you mentioned, Frank. So um, obviously, like you said, keep an eye on Trey Mancini. See if that cuts into his playing time. But somebody you should maybe keep your eye on there. Marty Party. Somebody from your Detroit Tigers, the candy man, Heimer Candelario, over his last seven days, the, it's not necessarily great. A 192, 250, slash, no home runs. But over his last 15 days, a 275 average, four homers and nine RBIs, slugging 588. The chase rates and swing rates are both high, career highs this season. I got to ask you, he was one of the people that I think many people were touting as mm -hmm. a potential yeah. breakout this year. I loved him going to this year. He's been a bust mostly so far yep. is there hope for Heimer Candelario or is this just kind of a flash in the pan here? Uh, this is a flash in the pan. And I, we were all hoping his ceiling, maybe he would be your third baseman in a 12 team league at right, right now at best, he might be your um, corner infielder in a 15 team league. And I think that's where he should stay. The biggest change in the candy man is his inability to hit off speed pitches this year. Last year, he posted a 379 X Woba against off speed pitches. This year, it's down to 244. So he just absolutely lost there. His hard, his hard hit percentage is down 4.7%. So the, there's no power coming out. And overall, he's a career uh, 240, 325, 405 hitter. So um, it's just, there's not much there. So uh, if you have him in a 15 team league, you've been probably you know debating if you want to start him each week. Right now, I would be starting him, but you could easily just let him go. So flash in the pan at best. And that's from a Detroit Tigers fan that's watching pretty much every game. So, unfortunately, again, yeah, we're, yeah. That's what Tigers we're doing. Have, the Tigers have been the biggest disappointment of teams this season based on what they could have done this year. Their expectations going White in. White Sox are up there. Yeah, yeah. White Sox. They actually had like a, a legitimate, you know, chance to go into. People want them like you know World Series, you know. But for for a Tigers fan, we expected them to make a run at the playoffs or at least be a wild card, and we are far from that. Yeah, it's uh, sad days in Detroit. Doc, I don't know if you did this. When you texted me who you wanted, you said Luis Rendifo and you said Seth Brown. So which one do you want? Oh, I um, I was prepared for both. Okay, well, I'll, ta I'll, take, I'll take Seth Brown because I'm going to rain on the parade. Go ahead. Rain on Seth Brown's parade, who over the last seven days at 333, 429, 1083 slash, three homers, three RBIs, and three runs. He's got elite max exit velocity each of his last two seasons, but... Anything besides fastballs have not been great. Uh, been really crushing fastballs, struggling with the breaking and off-speed pitches. So, Doc, you're going to rain on our parade right now. Uh, why should we not be adding Seth Brown? Well, it's just me personally. He had a three-home run and two-game uh, streak, and then I added him, and then he went on uh, the paternity list, so I <laughs> dropped him. And okay. then as soon as he came back, he homered. So I didn't get any of this Seth Brown production, and I wasted two out of my seven transactions on him. Um, but he's really streaky. You're right. He doesn't hit much besides fastballs. I actually looked since the beginning of July. He has five home runs and three walks. He has a career-low 6.2 walk percentage this year. He also had seven stolen bases between May and June. 
and he had zero in July. So it's letting you know if he's not getting on base, he's really selling out for power right now. Um, I guess the thing to to look on the bright side is he probably won't have another kid rest of the season, and he's first base and outfield eligible, so likely playing most days. But I think he's streaking, and that's what we've seen so far. There's nobody that does baseball analysis like you, Doc. I it's talking true. about the him burning you by having a kid. That's that's takes it right there. <laughs> I mean, uh, good for him. It's just unfortunate for me. Yeah, there you go. Luis Rendifo is the last hitter we're talking about it in the hitter side of the rundown here. Last seven games, a 333, 360, 500 slash. No home runs, but not a guy that actually hits for a ton of power. Four RBIs. Got two stolen bases, so that can help you there. His ground ball rate's a career low, 44.8%, and much improved against breaking balls this season. Frank, I feel like he's the least exciting of the hitters on the rundown here. Is he somebody you're just not interested in? No, I mean, 15 teamers, obviously he's probably already rostered there, but anything shallower than that, probably not. I mean, what is going on with the Angels, man? I know Mike Trout is hurt, but like this guy is consistently betting third in the Angels lineup, which just tells you everything you need to know about that team. To his credit, I mean, if even if you go back a little bit further, since mid-June, 33 game span, he's hitting 349 since mid-June, three homers, four steals, 16 RBI helped out by hitting in the middle of that lineup, lots of line drives, but as a switch hitter, He's much better against left-handed pitchers, like an OPS over 900. And then against righties, he has a sub-700 OPS. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of inconsistency. 15-teamers, sure, I think that makes sense for Ren Hifo. But uh, of this group, I would say Diaz is probably the most exciting for me, followed up by Seth Brown. He's one of those hitters that has, especially this year, a really high zone contact rate, 84.4%. And he needs that type of contact because he only walks – in like 4.9% of his at-bats. So uh, I, I never know with these types of guys, he hasn't have a long track record, I guess, of of being a useful fantasy asset. So someone that doesn't walk very much, uh, that's relying on that type of high contact rate with like him, I'm not sure I'm too interested in. But I think, frankly, you touched on it pretty well there. Um, let's talk on the pitching side of things here. And let's kick it off here with the first player right here. And let's talk Cutter Crawford. Cutter Crawford, who... Uh, I love his name. Last two starts, 11.2 innings, 10 hits, a 1.54 ERA, eight strikeouts. So he's not necessarily like striking out a ton of people, but he's been a very useful add since he got called up. His four-seam fastball has 2.6 plus inches of vertical and horizontal movement, so it's really moving. It's been his best pitch this season, and his season-long number seems sustainable according to his expected stats. Frank, I, I added him in a league, or a couple leagues, I should say, and I haven't found any reason to be skeptical of him yet. What is your thoughts on kind of his outlook the rest of season in terms of someone you can trust in your lineup? I'm intrigued by Cutter Crawford. As you mentioned, I mean, high threes, ERA, 3.86 at this point, 1.23 whip, over a strikeout per inning for the season, and a three-pitch mix that he relies heavily on, a mid-90s fastball. He's got a cutter, no pun intended, and a curveball that he uses, <laughs> and a solid swinging strike rate, 11.6%. So, I kind of think he's going to live in this high threes ERA area and that puts him in the streaming territory. So I wouldn't mind having him on my bench and using him in the right matchups. The problem is an early look at next week. It looks like he is slated to face the Yankees. So I probably don't want to use him in that matchup, but I think in the right matchups, of course I say that he just pitched well against the Astros, which is a tough matchup. Uh, I wouldn't want to use him next week, but I think in the right matchup, I, I do like Cutter Crawford quite, quite a bit. All right. I'm with you there, Frank. I love him as well. Oh, for to read some comments here. Said we look like a bunch of white Samuel L. Jacksons. I'll take that. It's a compliment. Thank you, Bradley. And, uh, 
thoughts on Bubba Watt, uh, Thompson just picked him up for steals. He's talking about Bubba Thompson, who in the Texas Rangers organization, who right now in the minor leagues, 13 homers, 48 RBIs, 49 stolen bases. Uh, I haven't, I didn't hear he was getting called up. Obviously, I guess that must be as recent, but if you need steals, I mean, 49 in the minor leagues, that will play. Uh, so if you're looking, I guess, for stolen bases, I don't think I have a problem with it in like a 15 team league. I definitely would not be looking anything shallower. Are we kind of on all on the same page with that? Well, I wanted to say, how much is golf on your mind when Bubba Watson's the first thing that pops <laughs> in your head? <laughs> it's been on my mind constantly. So, yeah, um, so no, even already... uh, uh, Frank's a coworker, uh, Chris uh, Towers was even talking about it that the, you really can't talk about steals in the minors. The the base pass or what an extra f- or the bases are a little bit closer, like an extra like foot and a half or something like that. So we've seen an inflated stolen bases all over the um, minor league. So um, with stolen bases, I always just I wait wait until you see it. Yeah. And to, to piggyback off that, I feel like when you're in the minors, you want to be more aggressive because you want attention to get to the majors. When you get to the majors, you're trying to do everything to not screw up so you don't get demoted to the minors. It's like the G League in basketball. The guys yeah. scoring 35 points and then they come to the NBA and you actually have to fit in the system. Frank, what are your thoughts on Bubba Thompson? Is he, I mean, Marty's point's valid. I guess also Chris's point with the bases being shorter, but. I think there's also factors like, does the manager let the big league club players there? Do they let them steal? Is it somebody that has a very high sprint speed that could necessarily be able to steal a lot of bases? What do you think about Bubba Thompson? I think specifically when you bring up the team philosophy, right? The Rangers mm-hmm. are very aggressive on the base paths. And we're already seeing it, seeing that this season with Marcus Semien, career high steals. And really since Chris, uh, Chris Woodward has become their manager, they, they, that's been a, a constant theme for their team. So I think if Thompson gets an opportunity to play with the team, he, he probably still will be aggressive on the base path. So 15 teamers makes sense. If, if you want to kind of just stash him for now, he's, he's been great this year. He's played all of his games at triple a 80 games in the PCL three Oh three batting average chipping some pop too with 13 home runs. I, I think he's a pretty intriguing prospect. He's like borderline top 30 according to MLB pipeline, but I think he's a name to pay attention to in deeper leagues. Yeah, especially when you need steals at this time of the year, you have to take chances on guys like that. Could be the next John Birdie. I don't know if there's another John Birdie coming, but optimistic view. Let's talk about Graham Ashcraft, who's made an appearance on this portion of the show before. Last two starts, 15 innings, 13 hits, a 180 ERA, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Whiff's not there, but the ground ball rate will play at 53.5%. And his cutter and slider both have minus five and minus two run values, so they're both considered plus pitches. Marty, I've been burned by Graham Ashcraft. I've called him Graham Ascraft because of what he's done to me. <laughs> what are your thoughts about Graham? Um, I've been in the exact same boat. I think he had that span of a month where he left up five runs, seven runs, and then four runs all back to back to back. And that's when I think everyone jumped off the bandwagon. Um, he's best suited right now for 15 team leagues. Uh, I think that's like where you feel comfortable playing him, you know, uh, each week in a 12 team league, I'm only going to play him for, for matchups and a 10 team. He's going to be on your uh, waiver wire. He's a, you know, he's there for a good stream. I do like his 3.75 X ERA and his 4.13 Sierra that does play pretty well, but yeah, seven, 74 innings pitch, only 49 strikeouts on the year, 1.33 whip. So he gets hit around uh, a pretty good amount of time. So um, in the 9.9 strikeout minus walk percentage. So he's never going to be dominant. You're always going to be relying on uh, on ground balls and that the Cincinnati Reds, who actually have gotten better uh, defensively, they're like, they only have the, they're ranked 17th in um, in airs when last year they were top five. So overall, they've improved as a fielding team, but uh, only 15 team leagues. I'm actually fully trusting them. Other than that, he's a streamer. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think matchup dependent there. 
Uh, last player we'll talk about here, Spencer Watkins. Last outing, six innings, five hits, earned run, five Ks. Expected ERA is over five. But one thing that's been crazy is he's only one outing where he's allowed more than three earned runs uh, this year. And he has a 2.11 ERA since June 25th, which is his last six starts. Frank, I remember you talking about him recently on an episode and you didn't buy it. Uh, after his last start, have you changed it all or are you still not touching Spencer Watkins? I like Cutter Crawford more than Spencer Watkins. I think he's in a similar conversation where you could stream him in the right matchup. He's at Tampa Bay next week. That will certainly play. Tampa Bay has been pretty bad offensively all season, but specifically against righties, I think they're something like 25th and weighted on base average. So uh, I could see using Watkins in that matchup, but even during this most recent stretch, this six-star stretch where he's pitched very, very well, the XFIP is much higher. The XERA is much higher. So I think it's kind of smoke and mirrors right now. He has added a slider this season. That's kind of the new pitch. If you're trying to figure out why is he pitching well, he's throwing it 17% of the time. It has a 152 batting average against 13 and a half percent swinging strike rate. So it's been a pretty solid pitch for him. Um, and I think obviously now that Camden is a, a bigger park and I think bordering pitchers park that you can use them in the right matchups. I like Cutter Crawford a little bit more, but if we're just talking about next week, I like Watkins matchup more. Yeah, I think both guys, I think at this point, their matchups way greater than their actual just sole talent, right? You want to look who they're playing, but I'm agree in a vacuum, I would take Cutter Crawford as well. And um, they've been letting Watkins pitch like the last six games pitch count 78, 79, 84, 86, 88, 88. They're not they're not keeping him on a short leash, barring him getting hit around. Yeah. Good point there, Doc. All right. Let's go to now one of our staples, and it is bring out your dead. If I could find the – oh, goodness, there we go. All right, well, it's Doc taking over for Art this week. Hear ye, hear ye. We are bringing out your dead. You have written to us. Who has caused you fame in the fantasy baseball community? And we are here to take them out. Thank you for all of the submissions this week. And I put the first one because I completely agree. And it's from our buddy Jake Meisch in the Discord. And it's Racio Iglesias. Even before he got traded, he was dead to me. But now with the Braves, he's in a setup role. His barrel percentage and hard hit percentage are career highs against him. He's stressful to own. And he's going to an NL East that has great bats in it. Raisio Iglesias, we're taking you off. You're out. I feel like this is going to be the shortest bring out your debt ever since <laughs> you can do it in half the time art does it. Yeah, that's true. Should I say how we're bringing them out, how they're getting uh, killed? No, no, no. Go ahead. Just move to the next one. All right. Next one, Mr. Chris Bryan, and this comes from K61. Wow, that ADP shot up just like the Rocky Mountain Mile High once Colorado signed him, but we're now seeing career low and hard hit percentage, launch angle, barrel percentage over a full season. He recently went on the IL Monday for plantar fasciitis, his third IL stint of the season. And did I forget to mention, this is the first year of a seven-year $162 million, con $162 million contract. That ain't going to play well in Colorado. Chris Bryant, we're bringing you out. You got six more years on that contract. Good, good job by your agent. The next, our host, D. Mendy, Nick Pavetta. I'm playing with fire, giving him one more chance against the Royals. And you only got one like. That was a pity like. 
But yeah. we look at we look <laughs> at Nick Pavetta now, and boy, a Jekyll and Hyde season for him. A 2.21 ERA in Maine in May, 2.25 in June, but 9.3 A in July. Yikes! A 3.71 batting average, a 4.37 OBP. He's getting hit hard, like a girl at a bar. Why did you put that in there? You just got to provide some humor. There you um, go. And right now, I mean, he's his hard hit percentage is in the sixth percentile at 46.2%. He is not looking like the same pitcher he was. But we go to from one triple play host to another. I can't believe Tommy Pham was even rostered in the first place. But Marty points out last 30 days, Zero home run, zero stolen bases, a 235 OBP, a 231 slug. Hopefully he finds his way in Boston, but I'm done with him until further further notice. Looking beyond that, as it thunders in the background of David's, the, lowest, hear that. <laughs> yeah, the lowest walk percentage and hard hit percentage of his career. And when you can't get on base, you can't get stolen bases. And outside of baseball, he's most likely to be the drama person in a fantasy football league. You can't have that. That speaks to character. Tommy Pham, we're bringing you out. The next, our buddy Britton, and this is four likes. He's more popular than David. Franmil Reyes, a.k.a. the Franimal, been demoted to AAA in favor of Oscar Gonzalez. Just a terrible season for a 27-year-old player in his prime who had 30 bombs last season. I agree. Career low 5% walk rate. Career high 37.1% uh, K rate. That's worse than Joey Gallo. For as much as we're raking on Joey Gallo, Fran Mill Reyes has been swept under the rug a lot. But not here, Fran Mill. We make sure we include everyone that's given us pain. The next, a double dose from Jason Kimball. And what a great comment. Bringing in Jonathan India and Alex Kirloff, who he's afraid overused his wrist as a teenager. With India, we got to chalk it up to mostly injuries. He does have a career low 4.5% walk rate, but I chalk that up to being impatient as he hasn't had many plate appearances. He did hit his first grand slam last week, so we got to dwell on the positive. And David's guy, Alex Kirloff, who was a staple for the rest of the season, he's back on the IL with a wrist injury. They are talking about potential surgery as it doesn't seem that issue's getting better in his right wrist. Kirloff, you're dead, especially to David in more than ways than one. We got a couple more here. Andrew Heaney, um, just more if he could get some wins and quality starts. Um, he's an opener now. You're not going to get the wins out of him, but he has the highest K percentage and lowest walk percentage of his career. We saw 130 innings pitched last year. Maybe the Dodgers are limiting his upside for the postseason. So we'll keep you alive for now, Andrew Heaney. We have Jorge Polanco and Seiya Suzuki. Jorge Polanco, a dreaded 205 average in July, but he did have six home runs and 13 RBIs. And for Isaiah Suzuki, coming back from a finger injury off the IL, you're looking for the power. Four home runs in his first 84 at-bats, and since then, four home runs in his next 171. Pitchers might be starting to face him out. And we got a link, a late submission from Mr. Frankie S. And we we brought out the DMs. For the bring out your dead, I'll do Sean Manai and Vinny Pascantino. Two guys I have in my home league, Frank. I don't know what I did to you, but we'll dive into it. Vinny, no RBIs in the last 13 games. Well, why don't, why don't we let let's let's let Frank this is a safe space. So if he's if he wants to just talk it out, what they've done to him. Uh, I'm sure they've heard him in his personal leagues. Frank, what what about these two? 
Oh, gosh. Sean Manaya. I was so in on Sean Manaya coming into the season. Great K to walk ratio last year. ERA indicators loved him. But I think we're seeing when you rely on a 91 mile per hour sinker 60% of the time, your upside is capped. I, I think it makes sense when you when you put it that way. His last eight starts, 5.49 ERA, 1.59 whip. The walks, the home runs are up. Just a 9% swinging strike rate during that stretch. I have him in my NFBC main event league, and he's been in my lineup for all of those starts, and it's been absolutely brutal. Finally benched him this week. He's going up against the Dodgers on Friday, which means he'll probably have his best start of the season. So, uh, you know, if, you, if you're listening, you probably want to put him back in your lineup because I finally benched him. <laughs> Vinny Pasquantino, this is kind of one of those weird situations where you have to weigh a lack of actual production versus his underlying numbers because – Underlying numbers look very good. His plate discipline has been very impressive. 10% walk rate. Whoa. 15% strikeout rate. So he's making a lot of uh, contact is Vinny Pasquantino. He hits the ball hard. 92.6 mile per hour. Average exit velocity. 10.5% barrel rate. 112.7 max EV. Look at his batted ball distribution. It's all pretty even. It's like this guy looks like he would be a great hitter. It's just the, the actual results haven't been there. So I think better days are coming for Vinny P, but... Like Sean Mania, I've had him in my lineup since he's got called up and he's given me nothing. So it sucks. And I think with prospects, especially like we're now in an age where it's very abnormal to see one flourish like Julio Rodriguez is right now. Like I think a lot of times during their first season, they're going to struggle like Vinny Pasquantino has. And it's important just to be like, hey, like this isn't a dynasty league. If he's if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, then you can't keep him in your lineup. Maybe next year he'll be better. But uh but Frank, I, I think, like, yeah, you gave him some time before you, you took him out. So, like, you got to let him see if they can figure out through their slumps. And I think you gave him ample time. But at this point, I mean, no RBIs in 13 games. That's pretty brutal. So. Sure is. <laughs> All right. Frank, I'm there with you, buddy. I'm there with you. All right. Let's go to our most added players. And. Courtesy of CBS every Monday morning. You can see the list here if you're watching on YouTube. Brady Singer, Jose Miranda, Stephen Kwan, Heimer Candelario, Braxton Garrett, Dustin May, Alec Bohm, and Reed Detmers. Top eight on this list. Conversely, our most dropped players. And that's going to be... <laughs> we have David uh, Peterson kicking it off at the top of this list in minus 30 leagues. Max Meyer, Esturi Ruiz, Trevor Rogers, Tyler Wells, Brett Martin, Tanner Houck, and Mackenzie Gore. So these are your most added and most dropped. And then your team schedules going for next week. Just one thing to note, if you are not watching on YouTube, the Dodgers, Twins, Brewers, and Rays all play five games, and every other team plays six or seven. So just make sure you note Dodgers, Twins, Brewers, and Rays play five. Now let's move to a special segment, and it is called Frank's Fiesta. And how this is going to work. Oh, yeah. Okay. So how this is going to work is we are going to read our takes to Frank here. Or I'll read them. And, Frank, you decide if this take gets into the Frank's Fiesta or gets into the party or you're leaving them at the door. All right. Oh, I love the image, by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Number one, Felix Bautista is a top 10 closer rest of season. Mm, top 10. 
I will I will let that take into the fiesta. We're partying <laughs> with Felix Bautista. Look, the guy has been awesome this year. The ERA, the whip, the strikeouts. I think he's the closer moving forward for the team. Now, I was trying to figure it out in my mind. Like I didn't move him that high up my relief pitcher rankings, but once you get into like that that back end of the top 10, it is kind of iffy with like Craig Kimbrell, who you know really hasn't been great all season long. So uh, if the Orioles can continue to win games, I, I could definitely see that working out. Felix Bautista, he's in. All right. Our next one. Someone on the Nationals is worth rostering in 12-team leagues. Oh, geez. Uh, I guess it's between... Are we talking pitchers, too? Yeah, because yeah. we could only come up with Josiah Gray and Luke Voigt as the only ones yeah. that pop directly in our heads. I guess Nelson Cruz would be on the fringe there, but he yeah. hasn't been good at all, really. Uh, I will let this take into the fiesta, but it's kind of one of those where like you, you keep your eye on that person. Like if they do anything weird, you might have to pick them out. Like yeah. I don't know. Like this one's very iffy. It's like Mendy asked if he could bring a friend, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know this person. You know? And it's like I keep an eye on this person, and like let's just see how it goes. And honestly, to me, it, it's the closer. It's it's Kyle Finnegan more than anyone else because. Uh, you know, he was used recently in the highest leverage situation pitching in the seventh inning, but I still do think that he will lead the team in saves rest of season. It's probably going to be hard to come by wins for the nationals, but look, 12 team leagues. I like to have at least three closers in my lineup. I think that Kyle Finnegan is going to be one of those uh, closers. So yeah, I could see him getting, you know, something like eight to 10 saves the rest of the season. And that's going to have some value. So Kyle Finnegan for me. Okay. All right. So we got two takes in. We'll see if this one sticks. Frankie Montas is better for fantasy with your New York Yankees than the Oakland Athletics. That's close. I came up with these, by the way. Uh, they're all job. really good, man. So, yeah, you're good at your job. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to leave this one out of the party. And, and it's really close because you have to weigh a few different things here. Because, mm -hmm. obviously, you look at his home road numbers while he was in Oakland, and he was much better in Oakland Coliseum, which makes a lot of sense. And now he's going to Yankee Stadium, which I don't think it will affect him all that much because he is a ground ball pitcher, but it is a smaller ballpark. Uh, there's a lot less foul territory to record more outs because obviously if you see games in Oakland, you know how much foul territory they have there. Um, but he's getting much more run support. So it's like you kind of have to weigh these things. And if anything, I think he's probably like neutral value in, in, in Yankee Stadium, but... If anything, maybe a slight downtick just because it is a much smaller ballpark. So I left them inside my top 25 starting pitchers. I kind of felt like I just needed to reject someone from the party. So fortunately, <laughs> it's my namesake. It's Frankie Montas. Oh, man. No Frankie to the party. What about this guy, Joey Gallo, who used to be part of your New York Yankees? Whatever you're about to say, he's not invited. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no. No way possible. Whatever you're about to say, but I'll let you say it anyway. Oh, man. Poor Joey Gallo. He shouldn't even be rostered in 15 team leagues then, it sounds like. No. no not <laughs> but maybe I'm being too harsh on it. Like, this does happen from time to time. And we're supposed to be objective as we possibly can. But playing for the Yankees, I watch a lot of Yankees games. And they're, like, my entire life watching baseball, there was no more frustrating stretch than this past year watching Joey Gallo. It was just strikeout after strikeout, his inability to make changes to try and just alter anything to try and put the bat on the ball, make more contact. I'm sure the Dodgers will get something out of him. Hopefully they could turn him around. Like I'm rooting for the guy, like just the baseball player. I want him to get back on track. He's in a contract year. It's like, I, will anyone even offer him anything in the off season? Maybe, but 
it, it's been a real rough go the past year or so. So I need to see something. And they recently called up Miguel Vargas, and they have a mm-hmm. lot of like the same kind of hitter there, left-handed power, strikeouts. Max Muncy, Edwin Rios is working his way back as well. So I just don't think the playing time will be there, uh, and definitely not the production. So Joey Gallo, no, no, you are not allowed in the party. What, what was more stressful as a Yankees fan, watching Joey Gallo or the last couple of years of Jacoby Ellsbury? Oh, gosh. Why I mean, Ellsbury didn't even play. <laughs> Ellsbury didn't exactly. Play. It's like exactly. you're watching from like a nursing home or something like that. <laughs> Exactly, but knowing that he's on the contract books and that if he is healthy, they're going to try and play him to justify it. But the thing is, like, even with Joey Gallo, I kind of felt like because they traded for him, they they felt the same way. Like, they need to kind of get him in the lineup and justify this trade. And I hated the trade at the time, too, because I get that you want a left-handed power bat in Yankee Stadium, but there was already so many strikeouts in that lineup. And it's just very clear to me. This is like a very pretentious New York take. Like some people just can't play in New York, yada, yada, yada. But I kind of think sometimes it's true. And Joey Gallo just didn't play in New York. And there was an interview that came out where they were talking to him about it, like psychologically, like, how are you doing in New York? He's like, I don't go outside. I don't want to show my face in Manhattan. Like that's legitimately sad. And he just, he couldn't play in New York. So I hope he gets back on his feet, but like, yeah. I'll take Jacoby Ellsbury to the party instead of Joey Kelly. <laughs> well, so I, I don't remember if I heard this on your podcast or if I heard it somewhere else. And someone said, is he undergoing what happened to Chris Davis, where when he completely lost it, he lost it. it do you think that could be the case with him where at some point you get old and, and if you already strike out a lot like he did in the past, that he's just done? Yeah, I think it might have been me, uh, maybe it was someone else, but I feel like I have brought it up in the past too, and it's just kind of a theory that I had that he's he's going through something similar that Chris Davis did, and it's I think when you are a hitter who strikes out that much and there's that much volatility year over year, like the end can come that quickly. So it, it just looks very very eerily rem- reminiscent to what Chris Davis went to, where I, I don't I don't think all of a sudden he was just like a different player or forgot to play baseball. It's just. I feel like you could just fall off so much quicker when you strike out nearly 40% of the time. And that's, that's been the case for Joey Gallo. Poor Joey Gallo. Uh, hopefully he can't hurt you anymore now that uh, he's not in your party and he's not on your team. So watch it happen in the world series, right? Like Dodgers and Yankees, <laughs> this guy has like world series MVP, something like that. Jeez. That would be nuts. Uh, all right. Two more, two more people trying to get into the Frank Fiesta. Ryan Tapera is knocking on the door and he says, I'm a closer that is worth adding to your team in 15 team leagues or less. Ryan Tapera, you're into the party, bud. I already have claims in for Ryan Tapera in my 15 team leagues where I am just desperate for saves, man. And it's like, we just had the David Bednar injury too. So like there are some things that are emerging here. I think Will Crow, you know, maybe could take over that job for the time being. So yeah, he's on the radar as well. The other day it was, I believe Jose Quijada is his name. He he wound up with the save for the angels. And I know Tapera's not having a good year, but does have some experience and uh, he was much, much better last year. So being the right-handed reliever, the veteran in that bullpen, I, I still think it will be him. Um, I guess over the next couple of days, we might learn more about that, but 15 teamers. Yeah. It's like, Anyone who even has a chance at saves, yeah, you're getting in the party. <laughs> All right, this one's definitely a little spicier, but new team and better ballpark. I think the biggest ballpark shift you can have with Luis Castillo going from Cincinnati to Seattle, if you had to rank rest of season right now, factor innings, factor teams that are chasing a postseason berth, some that have clinched that might rest some starters, is Luis Castillo 
a top 12 pitcher rest of season? I can't get him inside of my top 12, but I did move him inside of my top 20. So he is bordering on that. And man, you know, I would like to have Luis Castillo in the party. He's got like that cool hair and everything. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like Luis Castillo could get down, but man, unfortunately I've got to turn him away for this take top 12. It's a little bit too rich for me. Uh, you know, some players I have right on that fringe would be like Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon, Max Fried. It's just guys that have been more dominant and done it more consistently this season. Uh, since he's started throwing his four-seam fastball more, Luis Castillo, like the past, I don't know, like six or seven starts, he's been really, really dominant. And then his first start with Seattle, he goes and he throws a sinker more than his four-seam fastball. So I hope this isn't a sign of things to come. His debut with the Mariners was still pretty good. You know, it was like six and two thirds, three runs, eight strikeouts. So it's a very good start. I think he's a top 20 starting pitcher rest of season. Top 12, a little bit too rich for me. He's the person that you turned away. They're like, man, he didn't get in. It must be really yeah. exclusive. So, yeah. Oh, we let Kyle Finnegan in the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Well, there it is. Frank's Fiesta. We let some people in, hang out at his party. Others turned away. Uh, I think it was, it was pretty fair. Good, Frank, you might have a part-time job as a bouncer. I, th I think that could potentially work small, out. I'm too small, dude. I'm, I'm like 5'9", <laughs> 170. Like, there's no chance that I'm a bouncer <laughs> anywhere. You're bigger than David and I. You're probably the second biggest on this pod. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know what that... Hold on a second. If anyone here is a bouncer, it's Mendy. He's posting <laughs> videos of him squatting like 800 pounds and stuff. Like, dude, you are no doubt the bouncer if anyone is here. Uh, I'm 5'7", though, so I don't know if with my height I could uh, take people out. But I will take the compliment. Thank you, Frank. Uh, all right, Marty, time you're up. You're ever so awesome two-star pitchers. And what we're going to do here is you have your categories, as you always do here. Frank's going to see those for the first time. And then after each section, we'll just see if he's on board with your takes or if he, like Eric in the past, where Eric loves to argue where you have him ranked. We'll see if Frank's on board where you have him. So. You go Sounds ahead good. and run through your two starters here. With All right, so these are the two starter uh, pitchers for next week. That will be week 19. As you can see me throwing my uh, four-seam fastball here. Yeah, this is at uh, Comerica Park. Was that 153? No, just 53. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 53 miles an hour. Like I said, I've said it before, I topped out at 56. Unfortunately, the camera <laughs> wasn't rolling. All right, so we're going to start here, as we always do, with our no doubters. And you know what? I want to ask you, Frank, first, before we hop into this. As you can see, it's Gwen Stefani. These are the no doubters. And the listeners want to know, what is your favorite no doubt song of all time? Oh, man. Spiderwebs comes to mind immediately. I know that's probably one of the biggest ones. One. Um, yeah, let's go there. Let's go Spiderwebs. There yeah. we go. It's classic. It is classic. All right. There we go. Now, now the listeners know. So, yeah, there was only one no doubter this week. And uh, usually we have three or four, but it's Zach Wheeler versus Miami versus the Mets. I mean, he's a top 15 pitcher in my, I think he's, I think I have him ranked as 11 uh, moving forward here. So he's been absolutely incredible. Love the K rate, love everything he does. So, um, yeah, no doubt pitcher is Zach Wheeler. Moving on to the, yeah, why not? These are the guys you probably paid a lot for. They're borderline aces, if not an ace. Maybe some have struggled, but recently they have found a little bit of, um, <laughs> this picture gets me every single time. Frank, do you know do you know what this is? Have you, oh, have you did you watch uh, Jersey Shore? I mean, this is a very big and important part of my college life. <laughs> so, yes, All I'm, right, cool. I'm unfortunately the... well aware of Jersey Shore. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, this is the yeah. Why not? I mean, you're not not going to do it. So these are gonna, these are the pitches you're going to play. Um, Blake Snell versus the Giants at Washington. Chris Bassett versus Cincinnati versus Philadelphia. And looking at Eno Sarris's, um Stuff Plus model, uh, Chris Bassett's really ratcheted up. It's gone up. His stuff's improved by 4.8% uh, 4 over the last month. 
So he's uh, pretty much on par where he was the first two months of the season where he was lights out. Uh, number three is Jose Urquidy versus the Rangers versus Oakland. Lance Lynn, the big boy. Look, I love these matchups. At Kansas City, then versus Detroit. Shane Bieber at Detroit, then at Toronto. And Bieber was very close to being a no-doubter. I love I love me some Biebs, but just it's he's been so inconsistent. It's it's hard to see that at Toronto and pull the trigger on it. But I love the, I love him going against the Tigers. Zach Gallon versus Pittsburgh at Colorado. The at Colorado is what kept him out of a no-doubter. Anytime you got anybody going into Colorado, it's a little risky. And then lastly, Logan Gilbert versus uh, Frank's Yankees, and then at the Rangers. So Frank, out of those guys, who who would you maybe move to a no doubter, or who would you maybe you know put it as a maybe a little more risky? Yeah, I agree with you on Bieber. I think he's probably closer to a no doubter at this point. At Toronto, you don't love that, but at Detroit should be a fantastic matchup for him. Sorry, Marty. Uh, Zach Gallen. <laughs> this is one where I might peg him down a little bit. Love the start against Pittsburgh, although past couple of games like they've been hitting off of Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. Like, what is going on? I'm not entirely sure. But the start at Colorado is pretty worrisome for me. So I think those are two, like Bieber, maybe a tear up and, and Gallon a tear down. All right, there we go. See, Doc, that's how you do it in a nice way, a nice, respectful way where no one gets their feelings hurt. You know, no one, you know, I don't start crying. You know, it's it's nice. I pre- Frank, as always, you're a true professional. Thank Sh- you for should that. I, should I not comment since Frank is nitpicking this week? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take an off week after my Pablo Lopez W. Okay. Unreal. All right. These are the risky business plays as Tom Cruise um, comes sliding across your screen in his underwear. Uh, these are the ones that, I mean, you may have to start them depending on your league, but it is a little risky. Uh, starting with Alex Wood at the Padres versus Pittsburgh. Brady Singer, who broke my heart uh, last uh, last time out with a rain delay, gave up a bunch of runs to the White Sox. He faces the White Sox again, and then he plays the Dodgers. So that's going to be pretty brutal. Uh, Graham Ashcraft, who we just talked about at the Mets versus the Cubs. Martin Perez versus Texas um, at Houston. Miles Michaelis at Colorado versus Milwaukee. Jameson Tyone at Seattle at Boston. Johnny Cueto, amazing matchups here uh, at Kansas City versus Detroit. He was he was he was pretty close to going into a yeah why not? But you look at his XERA, he doesn't strike out anybody. You don't the blow ups coming. We don't know when it's going to come, but I assume it's going to. So he's still a risky business play for me. And then um, an overachieving Justin Steele. Um, I consider this an up, you know an upgrade for him uh, being in the risky business category as he was mostly a bench um, throughout the year uh, versus Washington at the Reds. Frank. Are we moving anybody up, moving anybody down to a pure sit? What do you, what do you think? Miles Michaelis, man, those matchups. Pitches to contact at Coors Field, Milwaukee. I think this is probably the appropriate range to have him in risky business. Johnny Cueto, I agree. I I, I think I might move him up a tier. Just those matchups are so good. At Kansas City against Detroit, it, he's done something like a quality start in every start but one this season. And we are recording this Thursday afternoon. He's pitching Thursday night, which means he'll probably get rocked by the Rangers or something because I just <laughs> talked him up. But it goes. <laughs> uh, I do like those matchups there against uh, Kansas City and Detroit. That definitely stands out to me. Jamison Tyone. Matchups are they're kind of a mixed bag here because Seattle is not hasn't been great offensively. Like maybe Julio Rodriguez is back for that game. But at Boston, don't love that. And it's something like his last seven or eight starts. He's gotten a brutal year. It's like over six or over seven. So I could see just like completely being rid of Jamison Tyone and just not starting him at all. Uh, but yeah, maybe Tyone down one and, and Cueto up one for this group. A little bit har- harsher on your Yanks. That's what I, I see. agree on. I agree on Cueto for the record. Moving them up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was close. It was close. But then when you look at it, all his ERA indicators and everything that comes with it, it's, it's hard to pull the trigger on that. 
But um, all right. And then lastly, the take of seats. So these are the guys that, hey, uh, Mr. Hansen's going to say, hey, why don't, you, why don't you take a seat over there? These are the guys that I would not start under any circumstances. I don't care about their uh, if they have good matchups or whatever it is. You just can't trust these guys right now. Uh, starting with Chad Cool versus the Cardinals versus Arizona. Jordan Lyles versus Toronto at Tampa Bay. Chris Bubick versus the White Sox versus the Doyers. Kyle Bradish versus Toronto and then versus the Rays. Rich Hill versus Atlanta, then the Yanks. Tommy Henry versus Pittsburgh at Colorado. James Carpillion versus the Angels at Houston. Rowenzi Contreras at the Diamondbacks versus the Giants. Tyler Alexander versus Cleveland, then going to the uh, south side of Chicago to face the White Sox. Uh, Tyler Beatty at Arizona at Giants. Yusei Kikuchi at Baltimore versus Cleveland. And rounding it out, Zach Thompson at San Francisco, or I'm sorry, at the Diamondbacks and then at San Francisco. Frank, are there any of those guys that you see that you may want to move up to a risky business? Yeah, I like this segment because it's kind of getting me ready for the podcast later on tonight. <laughs> we, uh, we preview the following week as well, and we take a look at all the two-star pitchers. We like to do fortune favors the brave, right? It's kind of mm. mocking uh, Matt Damon because of his stupid crypto commercial, and then ever since then, <laughs> basically everything went downhill. So thank you, uh, Matt Damon, for that. <laughs> the two on this list, Rowanzi Contreras at the Diamondbacks and against the Giants, and Yusei Kikuchi at the Orioles and against the Guardians. I think they're extremely risky. You probably should not use them. But if you are desperate for pitcher for start volume, then I, I think I could maybe see using Contreras or Yusei Kikuchi. But those are really the only two on this list. Yeah, I could see Kikuchi, especially if you're in a deep points league. You know, you're just hoping he gets, you know, uh, close to double digit strikeouts. And Kikuchi is one of the guys that um, whether I'm doing my two start pitcher article at fan tracks each week or I'm doing the show, Kikuchi is always one of those one of those guys that someone comes at me with. And all I got to say, and I always do this, is just look at his expected ERA, 5.81, hard <laughs> hit percent, literally 5.81. His barrel percentage is in the one percentile, average exit velocity in the one percentile, hard hit rate in the, the second percentile. He's, his walk rate is a career high 13.0. He's literally walking 13% of all batters. So yeah, I see that. I see the K upside, and I may want to pull the trigger, but um, for me, he he will be forever a take a seat. You go yeah, to his podcast page, and it's like the ocean. It's just blue. Yeah. It's, it's wild. We call him, we call those Mr. Freezes on this show because it's oh, just so go. blue and icy. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I can never start. You say Kikuchi. I want to Kikuchi my computer. If uh, anytime I see like his minus 15 or whatever is in like our points league that we have him in, it's, it's, it's ugly. Uh, Frank, but did yeah. you did you have a blue uh, wallpaper and a blue shirt because you knew we were going to talk about you say Kikuchi? No, you uh, this uh, out? that would have been great though, right? If I just painted my <laughs> wall just to talk about you say Kikuchi for like yeah. two minutes on a podcast, <laughs> that would make sense. The most dedication. I feel like uh, this is some kind of like ominous thing. Like I come on the podcast, it's a thunderstorm. We've got I'm getting like, crazy ambiance. Like what's going yeah, on? Getting I'm wild. getting freaking tornado warnings and Jeez. like, it's all, it's, it's Frank. Wait. You're bringing, you're bringing the storm here. You're bringing the is, thunder. Is That's it a tornado awesome. warning or a tornado, tornado watch? Those are two different things. What are so the, one which one's it? the worst one? The warning. Uh, warning is worse. Warning is very bad. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, we we just figured out at age 30, Dave doesn't know. <laughs> I never knew. What was the warning? Yeah, watch just, means just, the conditions are right for it. Warning means one has touched down, or and some or someone has seen, uh, you know, one. David, uh, well, just, I have a tornado just warning. Say watch and warning. Just well, like even with that, I thought like watch meant like oh they they spotted one 
and a no. warning is just keep keep an eye. There could be something. The exact opposite of what you thought. And yeah. speaking of tornadoes, very quickly, the XERA on uh, Rowenzi Contreras is 5.27. What does that have to do with a tornado? Because <laughs> if you start him, he's going to blow up everything. He's going to destroy yeah. everything you've ever built. The so, hilarious right, uh, thing is David appreciate and I... Appreciate our uh, buddy Hedge Pro checking this out. Uh, but uh, three minutes away, and David's having all this thunder and tornado warnings. <laughs> and like three miles away, I'm getting none of this. Nah, I don't understand it at all. Marty, let's close this out really quick. Let's go through our weekend warriors. And these are guys that you think this weekend are ready to blow up in a good way. Yeah. So these are going to be through August 5th through the 7th. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, mostly for your head to head daily leagues. So these are the players that can help you out, you know, over the weekend, if you're losing in strikeouts or wins, or you need some counting stats. Uh, we're going to start with pitching here uh, with Cole Irvin, Oakland A's, 53% ya- uh, rostered in Yahoo leagues. On Sunday, he takes on the Giants. Now, the Giants are good against lefties. They have a 114 WRC+, plus, which ranks ninth in baseball. But I just cannot deny what Irvin's done the last um, you know, the last 30, what, maybe 40 days. He has six quality starts in a row. Yes, you've heard me right. Six quality starts in a row. So it's been absolutely incredible. He's Over a risky 40, business, Marty. Say what? You know he is. He's a risky business. You know he, he's, he a, he's a risky business. But, I mean, when you're, hey, you're picking up somebody on a Sunday, you know you're desperate. I mean, that's just that's just what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, over those 40 innings, uh, his last 40 innings, he has 26 strikeouts with a 2.03 ERA and a 0.75 whip. So he's kept his uh, walks, you know, in control and he's limiting hard contact. So I like every everything I see on the surface and the Giants don't scare me, even though they do a little bit better against lefties. I'm not, not too worried about it. Uh, number two is going to be Nick Lodolo. So on Saturday, he goes against the Brewers. Uh, Lodolo is 31 percent rostered in Yahoo Leagues. The Brewers have a 88 WRC plus uh, versus lefties, which is the sixth worst in baseball. So really good matchup. Uh, Lodolo is a strikeout machine. So if you're looking, if you're in a points league, it's even a better fit. And overall on the season, the numbers look pretty good. Uh, 38.1 innings. He has 54 strikeouts. And last time out, Lodolo pitched six innings. He only gave up one earned runs with four hits and two walks. And he had seven strikeouts versus Baltimore. So I'm a little bit of a role, younger guy. Uh, I like what he brings to the table there. And then number three, uh, Sunday afternoon, Jesus Lazardo, the Lizard King himself, he is back. And he goes against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. You know, the Cubs are struggling. 20th in WRC+. Plus. It's at a flat 100. Uh, Lazardo missed. Uh, I don't like this. I don't want to start Lazardo uh, his first start back. You know, he, put, he went against the Reds and he did pretty well. But any, anyone coming off, you know, I think he was gone for over two months with that left forearm mm-hmm. strain. So I was a little um, gun shy of playing him there. But he did pretty well against the Reds. He only allowed two earned runs, three hits. He struck out five. And on the year, his numbers look good. 34 innings, uh, 46 strikeouts, 1.09 whip. And most importantly, 3.41 X ERA, which is the lowest it's been since his uh, rookie year, where he was absolutely incredible in 2019. So uh, just to round up or round out the uh, the pitchers, Cole Irvin, Nick Lodolo, and then sliding into a Mr. Jesus Lazardo. All right, these are the uh, the three hitters I have uh, coming up for this weekend, starting with Colton Wong, uh, Milwaukee second baseman, 41% rostered in Yahoo Leagues, three games at home versus the Reds. Wong's been red hot the last two weeks, and this is a great matchup. The Reds have a 5.01 team ERA, which is the second worst in baseball. Over the last 14 days, Wong is batting 373 with four home runs, one stolen base, and a 513 OBP. So liked everything, uh, every single thing I'm seeing from Wong there. Uh, number two, Trent Grisham. The ghost of Trent Grisham has returned. Uh, outfielder for the Padres, 36% rostered, three games this week um, in L.A. versus the Dodgers. 
Now he avoids Kershaw. Uh, he's going to be going against Tony Gonsolin, Andrew Heaney, and Tyler Anderson. So um, obviously the the pitching matchups aren't that good, but we love what we're seeing from the Padres. I mean, that the additions of the new lineup, we don't have to go into it, but he's going to be among good company. Uh, over the last seven days, Grisham has three home runs. Uh, he's six runs, six RBIs, a 370 OBP, and an 800 slug. And then lastly, Bobby Dahlback for the uh, the Boston Red Sox, first and third base eligibility. And they have three games this weekend versus the Kansas City Royal, Royals, and he's only 14% rostered. Um, so looking at the Royals, they've given up the fourth most runs in baseball, so a terrible pitching staff. Uh, Dahlback's hitting every day, either sixth or seventh in the lineup. He had a double dong last week. And just overall, I've seen his at-bats. He looks a lot more comfortable. You know, just um, looks like he's adjusting to uh, major league hitting. And, uh, yeah, he should, these should be uh, three good hitters for you for the weekend. All right, Marty, thanks for tooling our listeners with some good weekend warriors. And on that note, we are going to wrap up the show this week. Frank, I want to thank you so much for hopping on the pod with us. Storms, tornadoes, and everything else that's going on here. Uh, please plug all the great work you're doing, where they can find it, and obviously the best baseball podcast out there in the game right now. I appreciate that, man. Always fun coming on here with you guys. You can listen to Fantasy Baseball Today every Monday through Friday. Fantasy Baseball Today in five. It's a five-minute podcast where we kind of talk about some of the main points on the uh, the full-length podcast, but just in five minutes. That's Monday through Saturday. And, of course, you could find my rankings on the site, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much everything. On Twitter, at Roto underscore Frank as well. But lots of fun, guys, and I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. Make sure you guys are following Frank. Make sure you guys listen to the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, and it will make you a better player. I can promise you that. And for you guys that tune in every week to this show, whether you watch on YouTube or on the podcast, we appreciate you guys. Please make sure if you're on YouTube, you guys smash the like button, comment something below. You can comment how weird Doc's hat is. You can comment uh, just how good Marty's picks were this week for his two-star pitchers. Aww, that thanks, was something. David. Or comment about how blue... Frank's uh, background is because apparently that's something Doc really. Frank, can we can we hear your Michael Caine impression? Before he doesn't do one. That's so I know, <laughs> I know. But he's been hanging around Scott so much that I figured he'd develop one. Definitely would not be good. I, I would just yeah. try to go for like the raspberries and the blueberries, but it's definitely <laughs> not anywhere nearly as as good as Scott. We haven't had it in a while, so I don't know. I'll see what Scott's up to. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Of course, we'll be back next, uh, next week with another episode. But until then, wham, bam, baby, we gone.